Good morning, everyone, and welcome to episode 165 of the new media show. This is the podcast movement update episode, and we're joined with, uh, of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Good morning, Rob. Hey, Todd. It's great to be uh, back on the show, doing it again here. It's great to have Dan Franks on to give us an update on some things as well. Yeah. Podcast movement. Dan, how are you? You've been, you were at like WrestleMania or something yes, last week, or where were you at? Yeah, so we were at WrestleCon, which is, uh, you know, the Comic-Con of professional wrestling, and it takes place every year at WrestleMania weekend. So, um, you know, anyone who's grown up and knows about, you know, professional wrestling and WrestleMania and all that, WrestleMania is like the Super Bowl of pro wrestling, and that full week, whatever city and country it's in, uh, people kind of come from all over the world, and there's all different conventions and festivals, and there was a big live podcast stage at WrestleCon this year. And we were the sponsor of that live podcast stage. And then we brought like a little mobile studio and all the wrestling podcasters that were there signed up for times to record their podcast live from WrestleCon. So uh, spreading the good word of podcasting uh, to, to all all obscure niches in the in the podcast space. Well, you know, and that's interesting because there is just about a show for everybody, isn't there? <laughs> you know, it's amazing. Yeah. And what is there? How many wrestling shows are there? I know there's a lot. There's a lot, and actually a few of them have gotten uh, really big. Uh, you know, they say that professional wrestling, it was mainstream for a while, and now it's not, but the fans that are, are fans of pro wrestling are now, um, you know, more, more hardcore than ever. And, yeah, there's a couple of these wrestling shows now that some of the, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho's have come into the space, uh, you know, that have brought even more wrestling fans into the podcast space. And it's allowed some of these more obscure professional wrestling shows to really take off, getting hundreds of thousands of downloads from, um, you know, people that aren't really famous wrestlers, but they're talking about it and putting on a good show. And, you know, the content is king is coming out there. Yeah. Well, it's cool. I tell you, um, Chris, we're going to talk about podcasting a lot today. We're going to talk about podcast movement. But um, one thing before we get into the update on uh, what's, what's going on with podcast movement because I'm excited to hear what you guys have got cooking. Um, it was just something that was top of mind and I didn't want to lose it before we got into the stack today. And I, Rob, I know you've got a couple of things too, but I'm starting to feel, and it's not only just in articles, but I'm starting to see, uh, I, I like to call it poo-pooing. Someone's, you know, kind of grumbling, but there's folks that are up here. Podcasters starting to appear to give some pushback on articles that are being written in the podcasting space where the focus and the, um, I guess for better words, the the glory of the East Coast shows, the NPR-style radio stuff, it seems to be, um, you know, leading the pack. And, and it didn't help that the, the uh, <laughs> there was a media campaign blitz with about 100 different articles of the uh, serial follow-on show that... Uh, you know, hit set some records uh, this past week, but uh, you know, Rob, uh, do you see? A, well, at least I do. But what about you? Do you see more people starting to grumble about some of the reporting that's out there? Yeah, I think we've. Uh, I think we started something, Todd. <laughs> people <laughs> are starting to really be be a little more kind of kind of critical of the coverage that the industry gets in the the press and the journalists. And I know uh, you and I both get contacted by by journalists for for quotes on things i know dan uh, you've been involved in that uh also um where where the, it's just 
I think some of the journalists that are writing articles about podcasting are really, really new and don't really know that much about the, the actual space. And they get easily caught up in this web of, of, um, kind of, kind of hype and, and, um, and certain companies with agendas out there that they get sucked up into. And public radio is certainly one of them. Uh, and they tend to just follow. And we've seen this pattern taught, as you recall, many times in the past, this isn't something new. Um, journalists tend to kind of like, uh, follow the same memes and the same threads of, of articles. And they all kind of a little bit, not so much plagiarized, but they kind of copy concepts. Uh, and then they just kind of move forward with them. And I think really until, um, the industry really kind of pushes back on those kind of things of kind of mis misinformation, putting things out that just aren't, aren't factually true. I, I feel myself getting pulled into, to kind of contacting these journalists and making sure that they, they, they understand that some of the things that they're putting out are not, um, actually true. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a difficult position to be in cause I don't like to be critical of other people just in a general sense. Um, but that's Todd, I, I agree. And now, and now we're starting to see other people start to write articles about other articles and things like that. So it's kind of spiraling a little bit. Yeah. The article that kind of, you know, made me the genesis of kind of talking about this today. And I think I've met him. His name is Brian Alexander. And, um, he put a post up that says how not to write about podcasting. And he, uh, he was nice as compared to maybe how I'd have wrote this article. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, and he, you know, and, and essentially boils down overemphasis on NPR affiliate programs. And, you know, we like to laugh because, you know, we know that, you know, NPR maybe makes up less than half of 1% of the total podcast and the total podcasting space, you know, so, but they get, they garner 90% of the news. So, you know, I, I think to me, Todd, I, I think um, there's also kind of a fundamental issue in that it's a lot sexier to do commentary and editorial on what's going on than, <clears throat> excuse me, just reporting the news. Um, and I, I think there's not a whole lot of people just kind of reporting what's happening in podcasting. It's more, um, you know, kind of skipping past whatever the important fundamental pieces are and getting right to, you know, what do I think about it as a journalist or a reporter or, or whatever it yeah, is. Sure. Um, so and and I think that's mainstream news too. I mean, we've got you know pretty much every every paper and website has some kind of slant to it. So I mean, I think that's um you know that's not necessarily just a podcasting thing. It's much larger. But I do notice like if you're just trying to see hey what's the latest current event, other uh, without any kind of slant or spin or or emphasis or negative report about it or positive report about it, there's not really a great uh, resource for that. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's um and I know it can be frustrating because you know we're out there doing the grind all of us are every day talking to you know a wide body of of content creators um i had a voicemail left on my phone uh it was a couple of days ago by a lady out on the east coast and she's got a a show idea and basically she's sitting on 20 years worth of material that surrounds a certain uh well-known i mean very well-known celebrity that uh, she thinks is going to make uh, an explosive series and if she's uh, even 50% close to actually have an accurate information I think she's got herself a hit so 
you know, there's people that are coming up with all kinds of ideas and sitting on stories and sitting on ideas and creating content. And, and oftentimes, if you're not, if, you know, the way it also comes across in some of these articles, it, it goes back to the day when Steve Jobs slandered the podcasting space by talking about amateur hour. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and some of these articles do a pretty good job of dismissing the, uh, you know, the 300 and, well, how many ever thousand, you know, podcast creators out there that are not related to or came from or sound like public radio. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it, what's yeah, the I mean, answer? It's a very Just small more, part. Mainst- I mean, more mainstream hits. For- they do get a disproportionate amount of the the mentions because they have had a few big hits that um, that gets people's attention. Um, but there's other shows that are out there that aren't being covered that are big hits too, and it's kind of odd that just the public radio stuff gets gets covered that much. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, they're in New York or they're close to New York and they again, they've got these connections they've had all these years and maybe some of these folks are even, you know, they went to a lot of these teams have Ivy League folks in them. Maybe they went to Ivy League schools and they've, you know, it's just a circle of friends and cohorts, people that you drink beer with, uh, you know, down in Manhattan someplace. It's, you know, it can be expected. Um, I kind of, you know what I want to equate it to, Rob, is, uh, you know, I don't stay on the strip in Vegas. I stay on the, uh, I stay downtown in Fremont Street. And I, and I always say that I'm staying with the real people. So uh, I guess we just have to keep it real and <laughs> reach the real podcasters. Not that the, and that the NPRs of the world are, the, you know, are, are real people. They are, but you know what I mean. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, we are more focused on the independent podcaster side, so we're a little biased on that because yeah. that's that's where we came from, and and that's that's where we like to to view this medium because it is the larger piece of the medium. Yeah. So. And uh, I also know where my bread is buttered. So yeah. <laughs> that's true. We're <laughs> we're both in the same boat on that one. Uh, but anyway, Dan. Um, I can't say what I received in the email a couple of days ago from you, but it looks <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I guess I can say voting, you, you, you turned over voting for the, for your next round of, uh, why don't you tell us? Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, we set out a few years ago to kind of create a, a hall of fame, uh, for, for the podcast industry and for podcasters, uh, that started in 2015. So, uh, 2017. Now we're going on our third year. And something we always wanted to make the Hall of Fame be is similar to any sports type Hall of Fame where the current Hall of Famers uh, are the ones who have a say in who's qualified to be uh, the next year's inductees into that Hall of Fame. So um, this year, our Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame, like I said, going on our third year, we now have 11 Hall of Famers in there. And uh, we're excited to now kind of bring in that element of voting by the current Hall of Famers for next year's class. So like you said, uh, Todd, we uh, sent out the emails to all the current Hall of Famers this year, or all the current Hall of Famers with this year's nominees for the class, and voting is currently happening, and those 11 Hall of Famers, including you, Todd, um, are voting uh, out of 11 or 12 finalists to figure out who the uh, 
who this year's 2017 Hall of Fame class is. So we're super excited about that. And like I said, that was our goal all along was to get it to the point where, um, you know, it's kind of member driven, however, however you want to say it. Um, uh, and, and so that's where we're at right now. And, uh, within the next few weeks, we'll hopefully be able to announce our 2017 Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame class. And then, uh, at podcast movement this, uh, this August, we'll have the uh, ceremony to induct those members. So we're, yeah, we're excited about that and excited about the continuing evolution of the, the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. I'll say one thing. You didn't make it easy. There was, well, that's the, that's the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever you look at uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or any yeah. sports Hall of Fame, the reporting almost is always who got left out as yeah. much as who got left in. Um, yeah, and it's tough. I mean, you know, with, with Major League Baseball, for instance, it's like, you had to play in major league baseball. You had to, you know, be on this focused kind of track, but in podcasting, there's so many little pockets of people. You've got the creators, you've got the behind the scenes people. Um, and then, you know, our, our, you have to be in podcasting for 10 years or more rule, uh, you know, three years ago, that was a little more limiting because, you know, you basically had to be there from the beginning to qualify. And, you know, as the years go by, more and more people are, are in that pool. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 not going to be easy, and every year it'll probably get harder and harder. But uh, yeah, we're excited about it, and um, you know, there's always going to be people that are mad that they got left out. Um, but that's uh, you know, that's as you know, with doing the awards, that's just par for the course. <laughs> that's right. Hey, August twenty three to August twenty fifth is not in your schedule already, and if you haven't bought your tickets yet, you need to get them bought today because uh, I think prices go up in three days. At least that's what I saw when I rolled on the website. So. Let's let's talk about beautiful Anaheim and uh, what, what's happening. What's how's the, how's the body count looking? Uh, you know, looks like you guys are off to you know a, shaping up a very good show. Yeah, I mean we're excited about podcast movement this year, year four. Um, you know, last year was our our uh, lucky number three, and it it worked out really well. It was our um, you know our first year where we finally felt the momentum kind of. Uh, you know, from a business aspect to make it seem like, hey, this is something we could probably keep doing and, and you know, keep reinvesting in. Um, I think we've talked about the past few years that, you know, it's a, it was a labor of love and it still is a labor of love. Um, but yeah, trying to actually make this thing, um, you know, real, a real, real conference and a really sustainable thing. And uh, this year we're, we're, we're going all in. We're going to Anaheim, like you said. A lot of people we've already heard are going to make a Disney weekend out of it, either the weekend before or weekend after. Um, really one of the reasons why we're going somewhere like Anaheim, even last year in Chicago, uh, starting to pick some destinations that people don't just, uh, you know, want to drop in and drop out of. But, uh, you know, it's a it's a cool place to go to. Um, you know, last year we had 15 different countries represented, people from all over the world coming. Uh, and I think we had 47 states. So those two numbers um, you know, just kind of, uh, just kind of checklist goals. We'd love to, you know, continue to make it even a more international event. Um, and, um, you know, people from all 50 states eventually, hopefully will come. Uh, we're expecting about 2000 podcasters there this year. Uh, we're, we're excited about the growth, excited about the rate of registration. Um, you know, there's, there's always going to be growing logistical pains, the more and more people that, you know, are, are going to end up coming to the event. So, we're, uh, you know, constantly that duck underwater with our feet paddling like crazy, uh, trying to make sure we've got everything lined up for all the people coming. And, um, you know, we, I think you guys have talked about it a few weeks ago. We got over, over 500 submissions to speak at podcast movement. That's this crazy. Year. 
Um, it's, it's really crazy. And I, I tell everyone, if anyone asks what the hardest part of putting the event together is, uh, 100% it's, you know, the open speaker submission process and getting, you know, five to 600, uh, sessions submitted sessions and panels and the such submitted and having, you know, to narrow that down to less than 10% of that number. Um, and it's really tough because, uh, you know, a, we know a lot of the people submitting personally, you know, we like a lot of the people, uh, personally who are submitting, um, and having to tell them, no, it feels really personal to, to the people that we have to, we have to, um, not accept their session, uh, when it's really not, it's just, it's math and it's, uh, it's a very impersonal process to narrow down 600 sessions to, uh, or 600 submissions to 50 sessions. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, like I said, that's the hardest part, but that's just part of, um, you know, part of our growth and yeah, we're super excited to, uh, you know, to have a, a bigger and better event than ever. And we're, you know, putting some new things in place and continuing to evolve, uh, you know, one of the biggest, uh, changes that from year one to year two was from feedback like you all, uh, in, in ways to improve the event. And every year since then, we've done pretty extensive surveying of, of attendees to see what we did right and what we did wrong. Um, and this year we, we've, we took, uh, lots of notes and lots of, um, you know, actions and steps based on that feedback. So yeah, like I said, super excited to, uh, evolve podcast movement and make it uh, the best one yet. You know, if I remember right from year two to year three, you had like, you made major changes to registration or something like that. Spend that process up. Can you tell us probably what the number one feedback item was or can you share that? What would you, what'd you yeah. guys? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, you know, like you said, the registration process for any event is, is tough. Yeah. Um, and the registration being check-in being once you're physically at the event. Um, yeah, last year we spread it out so you could check in a day early. You could check in, um, right when you got there. I think we even made it. So the opening keynote was, uh, there wasn't anyone checking badges. So, you know, you could kind of filter, filter in and out or, uh, people that wanted to check in during the keynote, we could let them do that too. Um, so yeah, so we're continuing to do that. We've got a, a team of, um, I don't know if you call them professional registration handlers. <laughs> um, I don't know what the name is, but, um, we've now got people that their, their dedicated job is to make sure that check-in process goes really smoothly. Um, you know, everything from separate, completely physically separate check-ins in different parts of the, the space for speakers and sponsors from attendees, you know, just to continue to kind of ease the burden on those check-in lines. Um, so yeah, you know, so logistically, uh, continuing to, to make that a uh, smoother and smoother process for attendees. Um, I mean, I think fundamentally the biggest change people will notice is that the event now is two and a half days instead of, instead of two days. Um, you know, the main reason for that is we wanted just to have a little more space in there for, um, for, for, for longer lunches, for longer networking opportunities, um, just more time for people to kind of do their own thing, um, without taking away from the content. So when we get this feedback, it's very funny that we get, uh, you know, feedback from the surveys and half of the people say, uh, you know, don't change anything. Don't, you know, we left how many different sessions there were to pick from. And then the other half say, oh, there should be less sessions and more downtime. So always trying to balance, you know, it's not like one of those was said more than the other. They were both said quite a bit. So trying to figure out ways to, um, you know, you're not going to make everyone happy, but to continue to try to make more people happy. Um, so, you know, kind of adding an extra half day in there, uh, a, it, you know, gives more padding for people to do their own thing. Uh, but the other thing is being on the West coast this year, 
anyone that has traveled west to east coast, um, you guys both do that a lot. It's kind of hell. Um, so, so ending the last day as a half day um, just gives people more time to get out of town depending on where else in the country they're going to if they're leaving right after that event. Um, you know, I think any events where the last day is a full day goes until 4 or 5 p.m., uh, we see a lot of people leaving for their flight before the uh, before the session ends, before the closing keynote ends. Uh, so kind of not making that last day so late, we think will really um, increase participation in that, those last day's events and that last uh, that last keynote section. Um, yeah, and then and then I guess in terms of registration, like before the event, uh, we added some extra tiers of ticket prices. And again, 100% from uh, direct survey responses and feedback from attendees. And, you know, once again, the two different uh, types of responses we got from the surveys was one was saying, uh, your event's too cheap. We wish you would charge us more and give us food (laughs) because everyone wants, you know, there's a chunk of people that wants, you know, food and drink and they want it all taken care of and all wanted given to them. Um, But they understand it comes with a cost. And we've got feedback from people saying, you know, we don't care if you charge us more, just make it easier to get food and drink while we're at the event. Right. And then we've got the polar opposite side of people saying the event's too expensive. You're including, um, you know, food or, or, or some, you know, you're including these things, whether it's our virtual ticket or these video recordings, you're including these things we don't want. We just want to get into the conference for the cheapest price possible. So that response and that feedback is really what led us to creating three different price tiers. One being what we call our pro pass, which includes, um, a lounge with food and drink and beverages and, you know, all of those things that uh, the people that wanted to pay more uh, were asking for. So we're we're now having that for people that want that. And then on the far other end of the spectrum, we kind of have a bare bones registration, which is you get into all the sessions, you get into everything, you just don't get that food and drink and you don't get the video recordings after. And then we have a middle tier, which is the bare bones plus video. So really trying to give something to everyone who has all these different pieces of feedback and um, yeah, something something for everyone. And the one thing we constantly emphasize is that all the sessions are open to any registrations uh, or any attendees. And um, I've been to events in the past where uh, there are certain, you know, sections of the hall that are shut off unless you have a special pass. And maybe, you know, your favorite speaker who is somebody you you had seen on the agenda and you thought you were going to get to go see and you bought the ticket just to see that person talk. Uh, and then you find out once you get there that that, you know, that's for the special people in that room. You, you know, you, not everyone can hear that. And that's something as of now that we're kind of fundamentally against is having certain speakers that only certain types of mm-hmm. attendees can can get into. Um, so that's the one thing we always emphasize is that the actual core of the conference is going to be the same for all of those. It's just kind of the perks or the amenities that are different based on the pricing tiers. So here's just where the pricing is for folks that are, have not watched. And again, price goes up on April 12th. So just be aware of that. So your regular standard is 364 standard plus is 439 and pro pass is 524 currently and that includes like dan said the lounge i'm gonna be honest with you now food you know depending on and again i i haven't looked at what's around the hotel or what is in the hotel but when you have two thousand people that have swarmed a facility um they they often oh we can handle the load but oftentimes they can't you know they 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 can handle ways but they you know it's like if you break for lunch and two thousand people go hunting for food it gets kind of crazy so um for me i I just think the ease being a walk in 
especially during the middle of the day where you're not really looking for something heavy. You're just looking to grab, you know, a quick bite, something to get you to maybe where you're going to have a big dinner somewhere later that evening. Um, the extra money for the pro pass sounds like the plan for me because, and then you can network too at the same time with people that are in there that can make something that that's smart, dude, that that was good, good. I didn't even know you offered this. So this is good planning. <laughs> Rob, you well, know, and then and then for for you guys, uh, we have a a very similar lounge for speakers and sponsors. Mm. And we actually had it last year, but we um we learned a lesson about lack of communication on those amenities for speakers. So we had this like really big um you know room with food and <laughs> drinks and everything for the speakers and sponsors. Um, but you know we we should have known better. But we found out emails that go out the week of the conference often aren't read by speakers and sponsors. <laughs> right. um, so you know we're doing this you know mad dash running around trying to tell everybody, hey, we we have a lounge for you, and then having to explain where it was, and you know after the fact, it's uh, hey, Dan, it's difficult. Yeah, I, I didn't even know there was a lounge. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you didn't read yeah, the there email. You go. And, the, and the people that were in there, the people that went to it were like, wow, this is great. You know, we, we love this. And then, yeah. So, um, so awesome. anyways, you know, the lessons learned um, and that that's something that will be back. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we've got to buy some additional passes for our folks. I'll make sure they get the pro pass so that we can, um, they can get in and, and, uh, and have a quick bite. I don't have to worry about losing them for two hours. Rob, um, Obviously, you you're uh, you've got some questions for Dan. I'm sorry we've been hogging the mic here. No, that's fine. That's fine. You guys have been covering the ground well. I'm always curious what the what the meetups are and the after hours things. I mean, what's the thinking about that this year? I'm sure that all that stuff isn't quite locked down yet. But uh, what's your approach to that this time? Yeah. So, um, so that, yeah, that's a good question. And that's something that we've, um, as you guys know, each year has been a little bit different in terms of like those after hours types events. Um, the first year we had it at the house of blues and we've got, um, you know, got mixed reviews. It was a cool venue, but, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it was loud. I remember we, we had a lot of, uh, noise complaints, so to speak. Um, and and then the year after that it was, uh, and when we were in Fort Worth, we had it at like a, um, what do you call it? like a dude, not a dude ranch, but some kind of a yeah. country Western themed place. That was cool. Um, that was yeah. cool. Uh, but you know what, what we learned was that, um, and what people don't really understand is that was like a $40,000 party to throw. And, uh, I think our, the sponsor was like a $2,000 sponsor. So it was really just, um, <sighs> you know, it was just a killer. Yeah. And, and we knew that going in, like that's not, you know, we didn't get caught off guard at, a little bit. We got caught off guard with overages and stuff, but for the most part, it was just, you know, kind of bad planning on our part. You know, it was a good party and people had fun, but, um, you know, busing, I think at the time it was 1200 people from the hotel across town to this party. Um, it just wasn't something that was, you know, financially feasible for a a lower priced event like ours. And I know, you know, I I feel, you know, I don't, I don't feel like when I call it a lower priced event, I know it's not a, you know, it's not a free event. It's not a, you know, a $50 event. It's still a very significant investment for people to come to. Yep. And we understand that, but you see some of these events that sometimes ours is compared to, that's like a $3,000 event and they have all these great parties and, you know, are able to do a, a big party every night for people. And that's just the difference when the tickets are 10 times as much as they are at an event like ours. So, um, you know, we were trying a little bit to be, to be something we weren't. So last year we scaled it back. Um, I'd say a little too much and we did, um, onsite in one of the hotel ballrooms, just some kind of evening entertainment. Uh, we showed a documentary, which was really good. Um, 
but it just wasn't like a cool, fun type of, uh, you know, party that people were looking for. So this year we're, we're going to try to try to, you know, take all these lessons and blend them in the middle. And we've got a really cool space rented. Um, anyone that's been to the convention center area of Anaheim, there's this big kind of, um, plaza in the middle of the campus of the of the convention center and it's got the hotels on one side and then the convention center at the end and in the middle there's a big fountain and a big you know like i said plaza and we're going to be putting together like uh right now we're just calling it like a luau themed party nice and it's 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 outside but it's going to be evening in california so it'll be fine um and it'll be, you know, just steps outside of the hotel, but you're not in a conference ballroom. You're not, you know, in, in that stuffy environment that you might feel like you've been trapped in all day. Uh, but we're also not having to, you know, rent 12 buses, charter buses to mm-hmm. take people around town. So that's kind of where I say we'll meet in the middle, um, that type of, uh, mm-hmm. type of thing. And, um, we've got HostGator came on as a part, as a sponsor for this, and they're helping us, um, make it into a really cool event. So, so, um, you know, we've started to be able to get some sponsors that, uh, you know, don't just, you know, give us enough to cover a drink ticket for half the people there, but are really able to support us in a way that we can make it, you know, a cool, fun event with a lot of different activities. And most importantly, a lot of area just for people to hang out and meet and, uh, you know, talk to their friends and colleagues or, or catch up outside of that conference center environment. So that's our big, um, party this year. Uh, a few other things we've added is this year we're having kind of a welcome slash thank you reception for speakers and sponsors. So we do go to a lot of different conferences and try to take notes about what we like that other people do. And one thing we've noticed consistently is that there's, um, a lot of these bigger events have receptions, uh, you know, with, with drinks and, you know, snacks and stuff for the speakers and sponsors, just as a, as a thank you for being a part of, uh, what we're, what we're doing. So we've got that, that we're, uh, putting in place. And then we've also, after the award show, we've got a pretty cool after party that Patreon is helping us put on. Uh, and then we've got a few other, um, a few other receptions and parties as well. So Rob, that's, that's the extent of the after hours type events. And then we've also got a number of different things that we're putting into place this year that I would call, um, you know, still networking, still meetup focused, but they're not necessarily after hours. They're kind of baked into the event. So we've got a lot of cool different things going on that I think people that have been every year will really appreciate the the upgrades. You know, in the party situation, uh, you know, we used to have, you know, at the prior event uh, that, that Rick run, we used to do these big parties and people just don't realize how crazy the cost can get. We we rented the uh, lounge at the Pepper Mill. Have you guys ever been to the restaurant at the Pepper Mill? in Vegas yeah. and you've, there's got a little lounge off the side and, uh, we rented that lounge one year and had, uh, you know, a uh, midget Elvis and we had uh, showgirls and a magician. And he just did some entertainment. And then, you know, that, that alone, we, we spent $10,000 in alcohol alone, you know? So it, uh, you know, the, the expense of throwing these parties is, is not inexpensive. So I applaud you guys for, for putting this uh, this event again again to the, again event together again this year, um, because really the and Rob and I you know we've talked about this a hundred times the the value in the conferences is really the after parties and the hallway discussions. So you know if you're coming to podcast movement, you, you know the, when the conference ends, it's not the time to retire back to your if you're staying at a different hotel or go to a different attraction the networking events in the evening is really where the the magic is and 
people have a few cocktails and loosen up a little bit and talk story and it's it's a lot of fun so i come for the parties <laughs> come for the parties stay for the uh stay for the sessions right right and that pass well, is good too because i don't get to, to go to the session so the session pass for me is good yeah, go ahead that's true i'm in the same boat on that one so so dan what's your what's your philosophy i know you had mentioned that you've had lots of uh, speaker submissions and and all that kind of stuff that have come in but what's your kind of overall philosophy around um content um in the sessions this year um I'm, uh, and around tracks and focus. Um, I don't want you to give us kind of your philosophy c- coming into this year event on that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it's kind of a constantly moving target. And my answer to this will probably be very similar to what it was the last few years is just continuing to try to make it easier for people who are attending to find the right sessions for them. So something mm-hmm. we've continued to do is kind of grow horizontally in terms of, Um, And some people will like this and some people won't, but more things happening at one time. And the real reason is we've got such a diverse attendee base that our goal is at any given, you know, block of time, any different block of sessions, there's a couple different sessions that are applicable to them that they can, you know, go to and learn something from. Um, and, And it's for them, a session for them, whether they're industry professionals, whether they're independent podcasters that have been doing it for years and trying to refine their skills uh, or learn the current events or uh, you know the latest changes in technologies. Whether you're a brand new podcaster who's uh, you know never even bought or plugged in a microphone and you're starting from square one, all of these different people make up a significant amount of our or significant number of our attendees. So constantly trying to look at our programming and say, okay, during this block of time, what different things you know all these different groups of people that are at our event. Is there something for them? Are there a few things that they can go to, depending on what they're looking to get out of, you know, this event that they can go to? So from a very broad, you know, you know, thousand foot view, that's what we're always looking at is making sure to keep in mind the the diversity of our attendees. Uh, and then as we kind of zoom in, you know, just keeping our tracks more focused. So um, we've invested in new software for our for our mobile app and new software once our schedule goes live on the website to make sure that people can filter these schedules of, you know, 150 different sessions going on across these two and a half days. But really, you know, I'm a beginner, so I'm going to sort all only the beginner tracks and have a very easy way to see all the beginner things going on. Or I'm an industry professional and I don't care about anything that involves talking into the microphone, but I want current events and I want, you know, um, you know, industry updates and I want best practices and these kind of things from the business side. So I'm only going to sort by the industry, you know, side of things. Um, and we have a bunch of radio professionals this year and we've got a specific track for radio professionals coming into the podcast space, um, and having a clear way for them to see what's applicable to them. So to me, just from a user experience standpoint, that's the next biggest thing that we've been working on is like I said, just investing in kind of new platforms and new, um, tools for people to once they're there, figure out what's for them. And that's, you know, 100% again from feedback of past attendees is they would say, Oh, we wish you had a session about this, or I'm a new podcaster and I really wanted to learn this. And our answer was almost exclusively, uh, almost always, Oh, we had that exact session. But what we found out through, you know, talking to these people once we got their their survey responses is they didn't really have a good way to um, to find that session. So they knew what they wanted and we knew what they wanted, but kind of finding a way to make sure that they get met up. Uh, that was the issue. So we're constantly working to do that. 
Um, you know, one of the funny things that I've been saying to speakers as they submit sessions this year is, you know, it's really great to have a fun, sexy, or, or a cool title to your session. But if it doesn't actually explain what the session is, then, you know, people might read the topic and think it sounds funny. So they go into it and then it's not what they thought it was. Or people might read that session title and it's funny, but they don't really understand that it's for them. So they don't go to it. So trying to find a balance between catchy titles that will catch people's attention, but also be descriptive of what's happening in that session. Uh, because mm -hmm. most people look at the titles and not the descriptions. So that's something we're starting to learn how to balance. And we used to, you know, think it was fun to have all these funny titles, but, uh, you know, that the speaker submitted with, but in reality, um, they're not always functional. So trying to find that, you know, form and function balance. Um, and then, like I said, the actual, the actual core content and what's being talked about and taught on stage, uh, a lot of it is not changing. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's industry trends, and there's uh, Rob, you and I have talked about. There's a trends towards uh, some more uh, popularity and like some local podcasting. There's a trend with obviously the, the whole concept of dynamic ad insertion and those mm -hmm. types of things. So there's, there's new things coming into the space, but a lot of it is staying the same too, especially for some of our beginner podcasters or, uh, you know, independent podcasters who are just kind of still trying to, to master the, the core techniques and the core best practices of podcasting. Um, all of those stay the same and we're going to continue to present those. Um, it's just a matter of, again, being, um, being clear about what we're presenting, helping people find the right sessions for them, and then just kind of doubling down on that that whole efficiency aspect. You know, I think the challenge, too, with uh, submitting sessions, especially for those of us that have spoken at a lot of different conferences, you know, I could easily recycle 10 different discussions I've done at five different conferences. And so, you know, my always concern is, is, you know, I really know this topic really, really well, um, but I've talked about it two years in a row. And is this going to be? You know, then it's okay. I need to. I need to come up with something new. And uh, but again, like you just said, sometimes that core stuff is just continues to be need to be there year after year after year because you've got the influx of new bodies that want to hear that that haven't heard it before. To them, it's new. But to us, sometimes we're like, man, I'm going through the same grind again. I hope this is going to, because you want to attract people to your session too. You want to have a lot of interaction, a lot of people in. So, um, you know, if, if I submit a, a similar session, a follow on year, I'm going to be like, well, are people going to remember I did this session last year and are they even going to attend? And so that's the challenge you has you have as a speaker submitting submissions. Yeah. yeah, Todd, I think a really good example of that is the session that, that you and I typically do, uh, the state of podcasting. We do it every every year. We've been doing it for, I don't know, how many years now? Yeah, um, 10, 11 years. Yeah, and and now granted, the content of it changes every year, and, it, and it's definitely an important session from the standpoint of giving the, the industry kind of a snapshot of what's happening from the 30,000 foot view. So I think there, there are core sessions like Dan was saying that are, that are important for everyone in the space to kind of hear and, and share uh, across the industry to keep the industry kind of aware of where the, the big kind of trend lines are and what the, what the stats are, what's moving. But then there's these, these other topics like, like Dan was talking about, like ad insertion and local podcasting that kind of are coming up as the medium evolves. And I think trying to stay ahead of that is a, 
is a little bit of a challenge, but I think that generally, Dan, I think uh, you guys have done a, a really great job of kind of staying ahead of the curve just enough to not be too far ahead, if you know what I mean, um, where it becomes a little less relevant to reality, um, but yet still trying to, to share what's coming, you know. Yeah, and that's a hard thing for us because especially, you know, myself and if you you guys are in a similar boat and that's how this show goes is you guys are talking about just the – a lot of just the latest things and the latest news. And for someone, you know, like all of us who live and breathe podcasting, it's tempting, you know, to, to just look at things from my perspective and say, you know, most of these sessions should be about the current events and most of these sessions should be teaching people, you know, what's now, what's the now – um, but yeah, there's, there's always, we, we've got to keep ourselves a little bit grounded and kind of, again, that thousand foot view and yeah, take into perspective everyone that's attending the event, not just, um, you know, the people in our position. One thing that, uh, we're seeing, and of course, you know, I really judge what's happening in this space by the type of, you know, the type of people that we're talking to that I'm talking to on the phone, uh, support tickets we're getting. Um, you know, new business requiring. I'm, you know, I'm looking at that close. I'm like, where's this coming from? Who are these people? Um, what's their concerns? You know, we just, uh, matter of fact, I, the, the, the contract support contract, I guess that's the best way to say just got delivered by our latest person that we are hiring to do tech support. Um, and you know, we're at the point now where I'm adding bodies um, I got three people now that are doing purely support because what we're finding is that the, um, the folks that are entering the space today, uh, need a lot more. And I, I shouldn't even say it this way, but they need a lot more handholding than even people two or three years ago. So, um, you've got folks that are coming in and they want to get started. They want to get going and they just, they need some help. And, uh, um, and in, in, in the past, the support wasn't that big of an issue because uh, the people had done the research. And but there's so much information out there now, and some of it's conflicting. That uh, you know, we've been very successful at this point, at least as a company, and and understanding the value of being able to you know give folks our philosophy and help them get started. And it's even gone beyond that now to the point where. Um, we are reducing the number of shows that fail uh, because we're, you know, we're trying to provide, um, you know, realistic advice on where a show is going to be after, you know, a couple of months of uh, content creation. So I think that um, you know, from our perspective, the podcast 101 folks, the people that are the beginners that, Dan, they're going to be attending your conferences, they're walking in with, you know, a segment of them are walking in with less information than they used to. Uh, yeah. But then again, on the flip-flop, I've got the absolute opposite spectrum where, you know, people are coming in and they're very serious. They've got a business you know, focus. And, and that down-the-middle down folks that uh, I used to call kind of the sweet spot is moving more right. We're getting a lot more folks that are very, very, very focused and of course, there's going to be the folks that are just wanting to create content that are over here on the left that, that they're not worried about money. They just want to do a show and have fun. Um, it is kind of interesting to see how the space is kind of growing, but that's what we see uh, on our side. So the podcast 101 stuff will always, I, I don't think in any time soon, is going to be an irrelevant content topic. Yeah, Todd, I agree. I'm, I, I am seeing it at other events as well as just 
generally, as we kind of dive deeper into getting um, podcasting into more mainstream um, content creators, ones that maybe would be inclined to do something more on YouTube, um, tend to be folks that you have to really handhold them. I mean, a lot of them don't even understand the concept of an RSS feed and how that works. I mean, I, I regularly have to explain to someone what an RSS feed is now. Um, but, but yeah, you're exactly right, Todd, but there's the opposite end of the spectrum where you get guys that are really, really serious about the space and know what's going on and all that kind of stuff. So there's two distinct groups, um, that are, that are coming on the scene here more and more. And I think it's a great sign, Yeah. but it is going to challenge all of us to, to help those, those new users that are coming into the podcast medium to, um, get them up to speed because, um, I'm not sure why they're they're not doing their background research to learn this themselves, but they tend to want to have their their handheld and mm-hmm. want to reach out to the company. And I mean, I get phone calls and emails from people all the time, um, you know, saying, "I just don't understand this. Can you help me?" You know, um, more than I had in the past. Yeah, that's you know, I wouldn't have added a an additional body. And matter of fact, you know, I've got. A full-time guy that's nine to five Monday through Friday. I got Sean out on the West Coast. They kind of used to cover like when Mike got done at five, and he would cover through, you know, late in the evening on the West Coast. But now, you know, if I if we don't pay attention to starting about Friday about four o'clock uh, Eastern to Monday at seven a.m., I've got fifty tickets in the system that are oftentimes just like one sentence responses. You know, but we never used to have a huge body of people coming in and needing help over the weekend. So the person we added there is going to be our Friday and Monday overlap person. So it's, um, you know, I, I never thought we'd get to the point where I needed, and you know, I'm sure what this will evolve into is at some point I'll need 24-7 tech support. And, yeah. uh, you know, for a small podcasting company, people understand that's, that's a major expense. <laughs> Mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, have someone in the seat to uh, help someone at 2 o'clock in the morning. And to to kind of pull this topic back to the yeah. podcast movement, um, Dan, what's your thought on, on your sessions and how you're thinking about really kind of newbie podcasters that, that want to want to join the medium? Are, are you thinking about sessions that would have that would definitely appeal to that? Or are you thinking that most of the attendees that are coming to this conference are, are more in that middle tier of, of people that are kind of a little bit more, um, more aware? Yeah, no, I mean, we've seen, you know, between 15 and 20% each of the first three years being pod people who hadn't started a podcast yet. I mean, brand Mm -hmm. new, like, like what you're talking about. Um, so, you know, and, and this year we're seeing the same thing in year four, we survey people as they register for the event, to get the gauge on their experience level and get the, you know, kind of get a pulse for who's signing up for the event. And it's, it's consistent this year as well. You know, like I said, 15 to 20% of the attendees are people that are looking to get into the space. And when you're talking about 15 to 20% of, uh, of 2000 attendees, that's going to be a significant part of, you know, a fifth of the conference almost. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, I mean, there's certainly a heavy focus on that. And a lot of our sessions are very, you know, fundamental sessions, uh, to one thing we instituted last year was a Q and a stage and this year it's going to be a bigger and a more, a more normal stage. It's actually going to be within the expo area again, but it's going to be in a little, uh, 
like a plexiglass room. So it's it's there, but it's also separate. Um, and it's going to be a full all two and a half days. Uh, the sessions on that stage are uh, encouraging attendees to bring your questions. So here's the overarching theme of this Q and A uh, session. You know, whether it's whether it's marketing or whether it's uh, microphone selection or whether it's uh, editing or whatever that is. And, you know, just bring your questions on this topic. If you're a new podcaster, then ask newbie questions on this topic to this uh, this expert that's leading the Q&A session. And if you're an advanced podcaster, you can still ask them because this person was chosen as a, um, you know, a kind of a, an expert on this specific topic. And they're going to be up there answering any and all questions. So um, that last year we, we kind of tested that idea. And this year we're going all in on that being, you know, a full track of the event is this uh, Q&A and we're calling it. Q&A and FAQ stage because they're, uh, the presenters are going to bring a series of questions they get the most on this topic. So if, if people aren't asking hmm. questions, it'll either spark conversation or people can just sit in there and see FAQs on microphone technique or whatever that topic is. Hmm. Um, so we're excited about that. And then in a, in a similar vein, it's going to also be a, a plexiglass room within that expo area. Um, it's going to be, we're calling it right now, just our interactive stage. And what this is, is it's going to be sessions that are um, they're going to kind of be a blend between the FAQ Q&A stage and a full breakout session in that it's going to be kind of hands-on demonstration. And this isn't going to be demoing of products. So there's not going to be a company demoing their latest software per se, but it's going to be, you know, hey, we're not going to just give you a breakout session on here Skype alternatives for your podcast. But hey, we're, you're coming into this room and we're going to, in front of you, we're going to walk through all the Skype alternatives and we're going to demo nice. each one and we're going to talk about them. So, uh, you know, again, there's going to be a full track on that. Uh, all, all the times that there's sessions going on, there's going to be things on this interactive slash demo stage. And uh, again, that's Rob to, you, to your original question of what are we going to do for those people that just really don't know anything that are showing up. This is something that it's not just sitting in a panel and hearing people talk, you know, conceptually about an idea. And it's not just a breakout session watching someone put something on a PowerPoint, but they're going to be up there with the mixer or they're going to be up there with the microphones, you know, showing you how to hold it and where to hold it and what the different types of microphones are. So uh, we're, we're excited to have kind of that, uh, you know, that more interactive and that, uh, you know, just a different type of learning depending on who's going to be there. So I see you uh, have a session on Tuesday. I know that you're having some extra events that happen on Tuesday that some folks are um, sponsoring and it's, it requires an additional sign up. But what's the story with the first timers orientation? What are you doing there? Yeah, um, I, I probably should have brought that up because that's something that um, we're excited about. And as I mentioned, as we go to other events and we see what people are doing uh, that are improving the experience for the attendees, uh, the new attendee orientation is one of those things. So we actually went to FinCon, uh, the financial bloggers and podcasters event, uh, last September in uh, San Diego. And we saw that the day before the event officially starts, they have one of the ballrooms, uh, and it's a dedicated uh, room for uh, – or dedicated session for introducing anyone who's new to the event. In this case, anyone who's new to podcast movement uh, can show up that evening before, that afternoon before the event starts. And there's going to be people leading the session who have been to all the podcast movements, people that have really had great takeaways or great learning experiences at podcast movements in the past, and almost telling their stories and telling um, their best practices for, okay, you're at this event with 2,000 
uh, attendees and you've got a hundred different sessions to choose from over the next two and a half days and you've got these different networking events available and you've got this expo hall with all these great um, you know exhibitors and companies and products and services to check out how do you you know take all this overwhelm and you know bring it down to what you need to get out of this event if you're here to meet people here's the best way to go about meeting you know the most people at this event if you're here to learn you know about specific topics or if you're here as a podcaster already or as a beginning podcaster here's kind of some some paths that you can take and that's really what it is and and you know it came out of seeing it done really well at another event but also out of that feedback that we get of people saying it's a little bit overwhelming um, a lot of people will show up their first year and know zero people. And, you know, I think we've all been in that that boat before where we've gone to an event. It's a new niche we're getting into or just the first time to go to something in person. And you see all these people and they all seem to know each other, but you're you don't know anybody. Right. So um, this new attendee orientation is really going to be great for people like that who are a little intimidated by the amount of people there and intimidated by the fact that they don't know anybody. Um, and it's going to you know, they're going to leave that not only with kind of a game plan for how to make the most out of podcast movement, but also hopefully, you know, a bunch of people that they'll see throughout the rest of the week and they'll recognize and they'll they'll have some friends and connections already. And we're also encouraging you don't have to be a first timer to go to that. Um, a lot of people just want the most opportunities to meet the most amount of people while they're there. And, um, you know, that's going to be a good way to be introduced to a lot of people that, uh, that are coming to the event either for the first time or just the, uh, the super outgoing folks. One thing that I saw that was really cool at an event is what we're finding now is, um, people don't have business cards anymore and it's just, there's a certain generation of folks, they don't have them. And so it makes it a real challenge to, you know, if you're, even if you're just talking face to face with someone, say, man, I want to talk with you after the show or I want to follow up, not just vendors, but also just people face to face. So what they did on the badges, you know, most of the companies, they set it up. So you have a QRC code or whatever, you can rent the scanner and you can scan the badge and get the information about the attendee. But that's usually the, the vendors have those. And while it's good for vendors and, and, you know, we've done that many times. These badges on the front had the name and everything, but when you flipped it over, had their Skype, had their email, had their um, basic contact information, their name, uh, what organization. In this case, it, you, like, you guys could put the show. And then all I had to do was snap a picture with my phone of the back of that, and it, you, the guy's holding it, so you, you, you remember who the person is, because I always had them hold it up a little bit higher so I could see their face, get the picture of the badge, and then after that, oh yeah, I talked to Charlie. I got his. Let me let me email him. So it made post show follow up incredible, um, and it was really kind of like a business card and a badge. And I was just like, man, in in, in the it was it's awesome. It really yeah, really was. Don't- People don't understand um, like the little things that go into putting an event together and that you just brought up one of them is like name badges. Like you have a certain amount of real estate and you have a number of different things you're trying to accomplish, whether it's, um, you know, branding for the event because a lot of people, you know, want the name badges as kind of a keepsake and and we put a lot of time into that. Um, You know, if there's, if there's a sponsor on the badge, you have to give them, you know, the appropriate recognition for helping subsidize the cost of you know, these fancy name badges. Um, and then, like you said, you've got, of course, first and last name, you've got a Twitter handle, you've got show name, you've got, um, email address or Skype. So a QR code sometimes, um, 
you know, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's quite the balance. Some, some places have uh, names on the front and back. Some have names just on, on one side. So there's all these different like things that go into something that seems so simple and people show up and grab the name badge and they're like, yep, there you go, Todd, uh, for the video crowd, Todd was holding up last year's podcast movement name badge. Um, so it, yeah, and it's interesting. And then of course, some people like the name badges with the ribbons that say, um, you know, whatever, sometimes they're funny ribbons or sometimes they say first timer, or you know, fourth timer. Um, so all these different considerations that go into something, um, you know, that seems as simple as, Hey, let's give everyone a name badge. And it turns into, you know, a 10 hour project over the course of, of, of a couple months. So, um, yeah, lots of, lots of things. So one thing we are going to have is some sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're referred to as lead captures, right. but, um, but not just for the exhibitors and the, and the sponsors, but we're, um, you know, trying to find best ways to capture leads, um, between attendees as well. So, um, so we're, we're, we're working on that. And we think like, to your point, you know, most people aren't carrying around business cards. Uh, so what, are, what can we do to make sure those connections last beyond just the two and a half days? Yeah. Cause you can see what I did with the back of my badge. I put advertisements on it and then I, and then I put, you know, then on the front of it, it, you know, had your guys's, you know, it's, it's a cool badge, but I, you know, I logoed it up, but the, you know, I'm sure underneath that logo is the sponsor of the badge and I'm sure they weren't appreciative of me doing that, but you know, <laughs> well, but, plus that badge, all, I mean, depending on how it hangs on you can be, can flip around, um, can flip around half the time or more. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, you know, that's something we're investing in this year is the lanyards that, don't flip so they make them that right, you know don't right. have the little ball bearing yeah. where it spins around yeah to where then you can actually um you know feel confident about not having it a double-sided name badge because you know it's not going to flip and then if it's facing backwards you know it's because the the guy or gal who put it on just isn't paying attention but, it, but i'll be honest with you it was cool for the person to hold their badge up like this and me just kind of get there with the cell phone snap and cell phones are good enough now you can zoom in and say oh yeah that was that oh, yeah. was tony and his email address is Tony at gmail.com. And it, it was, it's the first time I've ever seen it that way. I don't care how you do it, but, um, in, in, if, you know, and, and just for folks that are going to events, um, if you don't have business cards, it's cool, but business cards, at least for a conference are still pretty important because you're going to meet someone. You're going to like, Oh, reach out to me after the show. And then you're going to be fumbling with your phone to write their information down. And it's a lot easier just to give them a card or get their card and write, on their card and be done but i'm kind of old school too so you know rob uh you and i've done enough shows that sometimes it's 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 hard to capture those folks's name yeah i actually give out a lot of cards i probably at, at the last podcast movement i probably gave out two or three hundred cards so yeah. it's uh but i don't know that people are using the cards that much i mean <laughs> right. i think they just take them but so I, you, you know get two or three hundred follow-ups is what you're saying yeah i that didn't happen. Yeah. You, you, you want to hear, you know, it's pretty crazy. When I go to CES, I take 2,000 cards and I leave with a handful for CES. And, of course, yeah. you know, I'm sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, for, for podcast movement, at least 500. You know, at least have 500 with me, which is kind of, you think, oh, you're going to give away 500 cards? Well, people just come and grab them, too. But also, I'm a little well, different. 
don't be one of those people. We have we have a dedicated person every year that just kind of cleans up the people that leave their business cards. They'll go up to other people's tables and just kind of leave a stack of business cards on someone's <laughs> exhibitor table yeah, or yeah. leave them at the uh, leave them at the check-in counter for people to take. So um, that's a good way to pay for a lot of business cards and have them not get distributed is to that get... or the people that will kind of throw them in the air and let them fly everywhere. None of those are good uses of business cards. No, and, and they end up getting <laughs> – and you know, I have to, you know, I have to kind of laugh and, and a lot of podcasters like it, but you know, Libsyn has their table of business cards and I'm like, well, they're show cards. Yeah, they're they show are. cards, but I'm just like, do people actually pick up other podcasters show cards? I've just, I'm, I've never understood. And it's just what Rot Libsyn does and people seem to like it, but I don't know. I've, I'd rather talk to someone face to face and then get their show card, but that's just me. All right, um, bada bing, bada boom here. So again, for those of you that don't know the dates, Tuesday is uh, really kind of the fly-in date. And if you want to attend the two sessions that are available, there's two workshops. One's being done by JLD and Kate Erickson, and another one's being done by oh Spanish Podcaster Work Group, which is good. What's the PMX competition? Yeah, so this will be our third year to have PMX. So this is really a way for um, some of those 600 speakers that aren't selected to speak to still get some time on stage and still uh, give a, a version of their presentation. Uh, it's called PMX, similar to TEDx. Right. That's where we ripped off the name. Um, and they're TED-style talks where, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes um, and you get up there and just, you know, talk. It's not a lot of fluff and you, you yeah, bing, you know, bing, bada bing. bing, bada boom. You get to the point. Um, in the last two years, we've done that where we've taken some of those sessions that didn't get picked and given them the opportunity the day before to speak as a part of this PMX thing. Uh, this year, we're adding a little spice to it, making it a competition oh. uh, just, to, just to have some fun. And we actually had it this year. Not uh, you, you could submit just for this PMX competition. So instead of uh -huh. um, you know, so some people would submit the same session for a breakout, but also PMX. And from those PMX sessions, about 20 of them uh, got picked to be a part of this competition. And same style, except there's going to be judges there, um, you know, judging you for from everything from how good you are uh, speaking to how, how good your content is, your knowledge, all of that. And then the winner of it actually will um, – be awarded uh, a PMX championship belt we had built. Oh. Uh, we think it's kind of cool. At the award show the next night, so at the Academy of Podcasters Award, we'll announce the winner of the competition, give them the belt, and kind of the cool thing for them because of how they got to uh, be participating in PMX as it as it was, um, is they'll automatically be chosen at that point as a speaker for next year's podcast movement. So winning the competition and you you know you're one of the prizes is to. Um, yeah, to be named the uh, a speaker at next year's event. So the smart, first announced speaker. Smart you. That's good. I like so, that. Um, <laughs> so it's cool. And, 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 you know, a lot of people come into town early and want something to do. And a lot of people, um, you know, we had 300 people last year wander into those rooms um, and watch these talks. So, you know, truth be told, some of the PMX speakers were speaking to larger crowds in some of the breakout sessions. Um, That's Some weren't, but um, – but yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun and it's uh, it's free for people to attend. So it's kind of free alternate programming the day before for anyone in town who wants to uh, wants to know what's going on. So then coming in on Tuesday, Wednesday's a full show day, Thursday's a full show day, then Friday's a half. And then people on the East Coast can either you know bust out to fly out. So uh, that's one thing about living in Hawaii. I, I like it because we're I'm only I only have to come five hours to get to L.A. But, 
it's and there are evening flights out of LA to get to Hawaii. So I could leave on Friday evening. That's interesting. I've never really been able to do that, but I'm going to hang around and hang out with the cool kids on Friday and maybe do something over the weekend. So, <laughs> Hey, I wanted to also ask you, Dan, about what's happening with the exhibition this year. I know you guys have had a philosophy around your exhibition area and was just curious uh, what's happening this year and anything new on that side. Yeah, so this year, um, well, in the past years, we've had the expo area kind of in the common areas uh, of of the event spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and what we fe quickly learned was venues that have that ability are few and far between um, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, as, as you grow and as you get an event that, you know, needs, you know, 1,500 people to potentially be in that expo hall all at once, um, not a lot of venues, uh, fire marshals will approve that type of setup. Um, so this year, our mentality is, well, the expo hall will technically be kind of off to, you know, be not in the common area. But our whole goal this year is to bring the common area into the expo hall. So I already mentioned we've got two stages happening in there um, in the expo hall area. Uh, we've got uh, a, a cool thing that we're building called the meetup pavilion. So this is something that I learned when I went to uh, South by Southwest a few years ago It is this, you know, kind of structure Again, almost a room within a room, but it's a meetup area. It's got charging stations. It's got lounge furniture. Um, so this is going to be the place that people hang out if they're not going into sessions or in between sessions. Um, this is in the, in the heart of heart of all the different booths and such. Uh, and then we've got uh, a cool thing that we've added this year. Uh, we're calling them kind of roundtable sessions for now. Um, a little bit like networking slash roundtable sessions. And this is really for the people that have come to the event to meet other people. And uh, during every breakout session, we're having these networking slash roundtable sessions uh, that people can choose to go to instead of a panel or instead of the, the standard breakout sessions. And these networking and roundtable sessions will be led by some kind of roundtable leader who's in a, a very similar to the Q&A stage, uh, who these people will be um, industry experts and in, experts on their topic, and they'll be leading kind of structure, structured conversations and networking around whatever that topic is. So, um, Rob, we talked about local podcasting a little bit, or we, we briefly mentioned it. Um, and we have somebody who's a, a very um, successful local podcaster who's <clears throat> basically going to be leading a discussion on local podcasting and it's going to be um, anyone who's currently podcasting locally um, or doing a local podcast or wanting to learn about it or get into it and it's just to meet other people doing similar things so we'll have a beginners uh, you know roundtable discussions we'll have um, you know advanced editing roundtable discussions you know I'm just picking kind of these topics out of the air but it's really a place for people who want to meet other folks that are like them or doing similar things to them or um, you know already successfully doing something that they're trying to get to anything kind of around those specific topics uh, there's going to be the this uh, this roundtable area that this will be going on throughout the entire week. So that's something that's happening in that area as well. Um, we're going to put the alcohol, we're going to put the bar in that expo area, as well as of course the coffees and anything like that. So um, so yeah, we we've learned that there's not a whole lot of venues anymore that'll allow us to do our initial concept of the expo area being in the common space. So now, like I said, the whole idea is to bring the common space into the expo area. So, um, so, you know, we're excited about it. This is something we've invested a lot of, uh, time and resources into planning and laying out and getting set up. Um, and, and we think it'll be as successful or, or even better than we've had in the past. 
So uh, maybe I'm wrong, but when do we pick booth spaces? Is that coming or? It's coming up. So yeah, so this is the first year that we're working with a, a real expo company um, that will make the, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll take me from being the bottleneck out of a lot of the communications and the planning. Uh, now that we, we're going to have, you know, 40 or 50 different exhibitors, um, which is a similar number to last year. It'll be a little bit bigger. Um, but, but really there's a lot of, um, logistical things that, uh, that me being the, the go-to person for all the speakers and sponsors and exhibitors just wasn't feasible anymore. Um, and we're working with a, it's actually, a um, a family-run expo company from the California uh, area that will be uh, the go-to person for planning logistics and getting set up and getting in, you know, all the exhibitors what they need. Um, and and so, Todd, to your question, they're sending out the packets of information this week, and then soon after that, we'll start the booth selection process. Because I, I had gotten a call from someone that we didn't recognize that said, "Are okay. you?" Did, did, <laughs> so but this is is that this the, is the I've made it moment is that we now have uh, scammers going through our website and scraping our lists of sponsors and exhibitors and then calling them claiming to be us and trying to get credit card information. So, Because uh -huh. um, no. I, 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 it came in as a voicemail, and, and the voice was like, I don't know who that is. That doesn't, you know, because I'm used to having companies call, have you booked your hotel? And they try to get us to book a hotel, you know. I've had that before, but... Uh-huh. So that so that's who that was. It called me with this real deep voice. You know, I've got the voice back and play it to you. Um, yeah, we've uh <laughs> we, we had a number of people that have the uh the voicemail, the whatever you call it, the internet voicemail system set up and they forward us the emails yeah. and they said, Who's this Paul guy calling me asking for my uh for my credit card number to book a hotel? Yeah. Um Yeah, so 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 far there's only one report, and I'm not gonna say any names, of an exhibitor who actually gave a credit card number to oh. a stranger over the phone. Um Don't do that. Don't do that. So we immediately um once we found out that was going on, and Todd, I don't know, it might have gone to uh, McKinsey or someone. Yeah, but did. we immediately sent out a couple emails to the exhibitors saying, "Whatever you do, don't give out your credit card number over the phone. We won't be calling you. We don't. Um, yeah, no. If if someone calls and asks for your credit card number, it's not us. Oh, right. Uh, but it, but it's weird. And and you know, I googled the name of this company that you know was claiming to be doing these services. And they're on a bunch of uh, do not talk to lists for a bunch of these bigger expos. So you look at, um, you know, NAB, yep. NAM, and some of these I, large ones. For NAB, uh, I've uh, gotten used to it. I'll get four. This is the podcast. Um, this is the NAB Hotel Authority. And I'm like, there's no such thing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, so, so I, I said I could take this one of two ways. One, that, you know, these scammers are, are looking at us now as a, you know, possible victims which is a compliment <laughs> but also now a new one more thing to add to the uh you know to the checklist that during our communications that's funny dan um uh, you've arrived now you have your own uh, scammers so yeah <laughs> yeah that's why so i said if, if we're gonna have to turn this into a positive that would be it yeah so i did notice on your exhibitor list that you've got pretty much um i think it was all four of the major microphone companies that supply mics to this industry uh, actually well not all of them but but i think you got got four really good ones yeah so um and and i think so we're talking about the the s's the samson uh shore <laughs> sennheiser the three s's i guess um, and then, yeah, and then blue, blue microphones have come on this year. So the first three have been with us, uh, Schur and Sennheiser have been with us since, uh, 2015 and then Samson came aboard last year 
and then this year, yeah, Blue is is coming on board. So, um, you know, that's something we've really uh, tried to do more of and have more of are some of these companies that, uh, you know, provide products for podcasters. And uh, we know a lot of podcasters will show up and say, oh, I was hoping to try out a microphone or look at new microphones, um, you know, like you would find at an NAB or a NAM or some of these things. Um, so, yeah, we've made an effort to do a whole lot more outreach to some of these uh, microphone and gear companies. Um, we've, we've got hopefully a few mixing uh, and other types of equipment companies coming out uh, that, that we're going to be announcing in the next few days partnerships with. Um, but yeah, the goal is, like I said, to make that expo area, not just a place where you're getting pitched things or, or, you know, where you're, um, you know, going to learn about new, new services, but also to see some of these products as well and really make it, you know, everything in there be super applicable and everything you might need as a podcaster. So let's just go through the list real quick. You got Audi Boom, Blue Mic, and I love Blue Mic. This is what I'm using. I'm using a Blue Mic. Authentic, Blueberry, Libsyn, Podbean, AdvertiseCast, AWeber, Hindenburg, Podcasters Toolbox, WordPress.com. You've got BSW, Buzzsprout, FinCon, HostGator, Interview Connectors, Interview Valet, Jack, Jake Apps, My Podcast Reviews, Podcast Websites, P, I don't Podfly. know who, huh, Podfly. <laughs> uh, boy, we need to talk to them about their branding. Pod to Pod. Pro Podcast Solutions, Samsung, Sennheiser, Shure, Simple Podcast Press, Spreaker, Up NPR, and Wondery. So, how's your space? You got more room? Uh, you got a little bit more room, but as you rattle those off, yeah, um, there's uh, there it's it's diminishing. So last year we uh, last year we didn't make the fire marshal in Chicago happy. We basically got uh, you know sold all the booth spaces we had planned. And then we just kept going back and, and asking for more. <laughs> Where else can we put a table? Where else can we put a, you know, can we put a small table anywhere else? So um, we were at capacity there last year. And I think this year, um, you know, we're, we're what, four or five months out or something like that. And we're still, um, you know, we, we don't have, I don't think, four or five months worth of booths. So if anyone is interested in, in having a booth there, uh, that's, you know, the best way to meet the most amount of people at an event. And, um, you know, we've got a few left. So you do make me a little nervous. I'm hoping your your well laid plans do uh, work out well. Um, it just I've seen so many times that uh, the uh, and, and again is if and for those of you that go to events, and let me just speak as an exhibitor because I'm an exhibitor. Um, you may not want to talk to me, you know that's that's fine. But uh, if you're going to go to an event, uh, try to at least walk the. Um, exhibit hall and just if nothing else say hi see you there you know just just do the walkthrough um it is a um it is nothing more discouraging to a vendor than go to an event and traffic be bad and uh because you know you look at the you know it co costs money to come to the event we want we're gonna you know we're gonna support podcast movement that's not the issue but when it's you know typically it it at uh, events the exhibitors are, you know, it's like, oh, that's a commercial space. You know, I don't need to see any of those folks. Um, it will keep the event growing um, by making sure that, uh, you know, just walk through and see. If we see good traffic, it says, man, there was great traffic. Let's make sure we're, we're back next year. You know, there's events we go to where there's no traffic and we just pull out events um, because it's not worth our time to come. Uh, obviously, as a commercial company, we're there to, to talk to people and make connections and, and maybe bring you on as a customer. So, um, so I'm looking forward to seeing the, the floor layout and, uh, 
and I, and I know you guys have taken into consideration uh, for exhibitors. That's really important. So, and then oftentimes, you know, these events cost, Dan, you guys spend a lot of money to put on this event. So you need all the exhibitors to be able to draw people and the speakers. It's, you know, it's, it's a the machine feeds itself. But, yeah, and I'll uh, say, um, you know, we talked, we started off to talk about about us exhibiting at WrestleCon last week, and um, you know, we we've started doing kind of similar to you guys, exhibiting at events to promote podcast movement. Um, and yeah, you know, you don't you don't understand that side of it until you've actually done it, until you've been the one, all right, um, you know, paying to ship things across the country or um, you know, showing up to the exhibit hall four or five hours before the event starts to, to set up structures and everything. Um, so, um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, that evolution of us as event organizers as well. Um, you know, learning all these pieces. So, um, yeah, so hopefully, you know, our, our goal is to, to do exactly that, Todd. So was your, did you have like a aha moment when you started doing these events and going to them and saying, man, now I know what Rob and Todd were talking about. Well, yeah, the biggest aha moment is is what you mentioned, Todd, the downtime and just sitting there when nothing's happening for hours at a time. Yeah, um, that's, I, I don't know if that's an aha moment or, uh, you know, an OS moment or, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, it's definitely uh, an experience and you can definitely relate a whole lot more to the, the folks participating in the expo area when you're when you're one of them and you're sitting at a at a table or a booth for, yeah, like I said, three hours and you don't see a soul. And that that is a beautiful learning experience. <laughs> Everybody should have it at least once, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you know what you also do? See, you know, that event then needs to be told. You know, Rob and I and Rob, the two Robs, Rob Walsh, Rob here and us, we were at an event this year, just recently down in Florida, and not the podcast event. We were at Proclaim. The traffic was absolutely Dismal. The speaker rooms were way off yes. in another section. Yes, the logistics it of it. was horrible. And when you're have dumped, well, probably we only had two people there, plus the booth, hotels, eight, nine thousand dollars. And you walk away from the event, and I'm like, how many people do I need to talk to? And I can do those follow ups in one day. That's absolute shit. So, um, you know, you tell the vendor, you go back and tell the, you know, you tell the organizer, you know, I don't think I'm coming back, uh, yeah. you know, because you didn't make it worth, worth my while. And, you know, in that, and I don't have to be at that event because that's not where my core audience is. Podcast movement is, and we'll be there no matter what, but, uh, um, you know, all these extra side events, but. Yeah, you and the thing is, what you're going to run into then, Dan, is you've got some companies that are coming that that it isn't. It's not maybe where they're going to get a lot of business, but they're waving the flag and they're there supporting. So you want to make them happy. You know, the Libsons, the you know, the Podbeans, the Blueberries, the Speakers, we're all coming and we're going to be there. Um, but you know, the, you got to make sure that the rest of the folks that are not the core podcasting companies are are there as well. Plus, I also noticed that, uh, and and maybe this was happening last year too, and I just didn't pay attention to it as much. But I've, I noticed that you've got a a a small but growing group of podcast networks that are starting to sponsor your event now, which, which I think is an interesting development. Are you guys thinking that that is going to grow? 
Uh, you know, it depends. Like someone like a Gimlet, I think they're so, um, you know, they're so kind of um, insular with with their network and who comes on as shows at a, at a Gimlet type network. Um, someone like them, I don't think they'll ever they'll be there as attendees and as speakers, but I don't think those folks would ever be there, um, you know, trying to necessarily recruit uh, or anything like that. But I think there are some networks now that understand that there are independent podcasters doing cool things that they, you know, might want to try to consider. So not everything good is homegrown. And we've seen a lot of that uh, happening recently where independent podcasters are kind of coming under the umbrella, some with good results, some with bad. Uh, but I think uh, the, they now see the value in being a respected a respected name as a network in, in the industry so that if they do decide to you know, act on one of these independent podcasts and try to bring them on board. It's not just some unknown entity, but they, you know, they recognize the name from podcast movement or just from, you know, general podcast chatter. Um, and it's not, again, you know, just somebody, you know, throwing some, you know, potential money at them, but it's, uh, you know, somebody that they recognize. Hey guys, just to let you know, I do have a hard stop in five minutes. Uh, I got to take a kid to a soccer game, but one one vendor in there that I was just shocked. I didn't know that they were still spending money in the space. Was TalkShoe? I was like, "What? They're, they're sponsoring?" The, and I didn't. I, I was like, "Wow!" So that must be, that tells me that that they're because we in the early early days we had some partnerships with TalkShoe, and then they kind of went away for a while. So I'm seeing that they're back. I thought, "Wow, that's impressive." Um, yeah, so there's someone, um, and I don't know, you know, when when you talk to some of these companies, you're talking to someone, you don't know if it's a parent company or just the legal name of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the backstory, but the gentleman I've I've talked to for a couple years now, uh, and yeah, this year they're putting on the podcast pavilion, yeah. so something that's been, uh, you know, seen at New Media Expo in the past that done really well is that live podcasting area. Yeah, um, and we've got we've got a cool little podcast pavilion we're building out, and they're the ones that are going to run that. And I believe their service is a little bit more of a streaming type product, mm-hmm. and they're going to be um, streaming those things happening at the podcast pavilion over the internet as well. So, um, so I think it'll it'll be cool, and um, you know, we'll see. Like you said, Talkshoe, I've seen it for years, um, and we're excited uh, to have them on board and see what see what comes of that. You know, they were cool. They were doing kind of the same stuff that Blog Talk wa- uh, was doing, and of course, some of the stuff that you guys do, Rob, long before anyone else was. And uh, I don't know if they've improved their technology at all, but it's definitely a call-in system. You know, that's what it's yeah. it's set up for. But which comes with some downsides. But yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, so I was just I was just kind of like, whoa, they're I didn't know they they still spent money. So it's cool that they're they're there. I I know a lot about that company, a lot of the people behind it. So and excited to see them spent stepping up again. Mm-hmm. And I'm not familiar with this public media marketing. Who are those folks? So I believe uh, it's uh, he's out of Chicago. David David Raphael is the guy mm-hmm. who um, kind of is in charge there, and they sell ads on Serial and Joe Rogan and This American Life. So they're uh, <laughs> everyone sells ad. ads on to Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, it's an ad rep um, company. I got gotcha. you. All right, mainly focused on the public public media side. All public right. media and then Joe Rogan. So the opposite yeah. of public media. Yeah. Rob, in the few minutes we've got left, anything else you wanted to talk about? I knew you sent me a link and it, we, we probably have to do this next week. Um, digging yeah. into an article that you had. Well, there's a, I mean, I didn't want to spend a lot of time here because we're, we don't have the time, but yeah. uh, you know, Facebook is now, I guess in the middle of launching uh, live audio. 
so there was some discussion in with some some writers and things like that doing articles on this saying that uh, it was an easy way to get into podcasting so I wanted to talk about that too, but that's something we, we can just talk about next oh, week. I didn't even hear about that. You're, yeah. Do you have any article links to that or is it just? Yeah, I can, I can share some stuff uh, with you that, yeah, I had, there was an article that came out just linking up podcasting with live audio on Facebook and it just, uh, there's no connection to podcasting with what Facebook is doing. So, but people are making that connection. <laughs> I got a podcast. So, I do a live audio show on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. that's like that's like the whole uh, I have a podcast on YouTube thing. I hear that. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. right, yeah. right, right. So, I mean, it's it. I I mean, I think this has been going on for a long time. People connect up uh, podcasting as a form of content, um, not necessarily a form of distribution, and it, that's part of the whole confusion of the name, right? People think of it as something different um, than it was intended. Uh, and then a really good article came out this past week too, and I and we we didn't have time to to spend with it, but uh, talking about monetization of uh, of of basically selling advertising um, through the Overcast app, which was really really interesting, and in how small podcasters um, can take advertising um, on that platform or 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 advertise their their shows um, on the Overcast app. So I thought it was an interesting article, but we can dive into all this stuff next week. Yeah. So everyone that's been here, Dan, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, as of now, most of the contact forms at podcastmovement.com go to me, or you can just email me, dan at podcastmovement.com. And of course, uh, Rob? Uh, Rob at Spreaker.com or Rob at RobGreenlee.com is a great way to get a hold of me if you want to send some comments or feedback on the on, on the show. And, and I, I can also be found on Twitter at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's. And we did get some email in uh, from the audience members last week. We'll get that covered in the next show uh, and some people that were you know basically volunteering to be on the show. So thanks for your, your commentary there. Uh, Todd at Blueberry.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at Geek News. Of course, we want you to subscribe to the show by going to NewMediaShow.com if you haven't already. Subscribe to the show. Tell your fellow podcasters about it. This is the place to get the raw view on what's going on with the new media space, and we do mean raw. Rob and I typically don't have too much of a filter. So uh, we uh, thank, thank you for your time and spending in 90 minutes with us uh, every week. But uh, send us feedback on what you like and don't, don't like, and we always want to hear your opinions as well. But uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time here on the New Media Show. Everyone take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.